All right, welcome to the podcast. This is Nick Sledengren. He is an entrepreneur, debt guru, and also a, a professional marketer. So uh, we're gonna have fun today. Thanks for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe. Ready to go. This is the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. I am your host, John Maddox. Welcome to the show. All right, Nick, so you're an entrepreneur. You sold your digital marketing company exited that, made some money and, uh, you know, did some stuff, but you got into credit and debt kind of, uh, tell us about the credit and debt company. Yeah. I fell into that one. Well, I mean, I was kind of looking what the next thing I was going to do. I knew I wasn't just going to jump back into marketing, yeah. you know, um, didn't want to do that again, you know, also have, uh, you know, uh, non-competes and other things. And, you know, and I support, you know, power digital and, and their growth strategy as well. So, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense for me to do what I've always been doing. Yep. So I had to kind of do a quick pivot and, you know, it took me uh, a few years to kind of figure out what I wanted to do uh, mm -hmm. after I left, which was nice to have that kind of runway. But, um, I kind of felt like the economy was going to, you know, uh, have a downturn, you know, mm -hmm. we run in cycles. We know that, you know, these usually eight to 12 years, we're in year right. 13. Right. I'm not going to sit here on your podcast and tell you, I, uh, you know, predicted COVID, <laughs> but, um, I am going to tell you that, you know, I, I wanted something that kind of was betting against the economy in a little bit, okay. you know, as part of my portfolio, as dismal as that sounds, but, um, you know, I am usually a half, you know glasses half full kind of guy. Right. But in this case, I, I need something to kind of balance my portfolio a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did make an investment into, um, you know, became a, ultimately became a co-founder in a company called Fix It. And, you know, basically what Fis Fix It does is um, it was kind of this little slice of pie. There's so many different kind of debt relief options out there mm -hmm. for people, right. you know, and we, we, you know, we don't have, we can go down that rabbit hole if we want to, but I mean, there's credit counseling, there's, um, you know, credit repair, there's, um, you know, uh, settlement, there's bankruptcy. I mm -hmm. mean, these are all available to people that need to shed some debt, you know, and, right. and, and clearly, you know, that's kind of where we are right now in, in our economy. So, um, but there's also one that's called debt validation. Mm -hmm. I found this one particularly interesting because with debt validation, it's almost, you know, I always say it's kind of like a, a speeding ticket. Hmm. You know, you, you might've, well, you, you're probably speeding, right. but there's still protocols on, you know, how you were pulled over. You still have, you know, rights as a citizen, mm -hmm. um, you know, was, was the gun that you were, you know, judged on, you know, calibrated by, you know, the officer was, you know, um, was, they the got to follow the rules yeah. too, right? They can't just give you a ticket without 100. having something to back it up. With. 100. Yeah. I mean, we're, right. we live in a modern society, right? And there's rules mm -hmm. and regulations and you know, people get lazy sides. and they cut corners. That's right. right. You know, you know, and so you, you become just kind of another statistic. Right. So with that said, um, there's, you know, a lot of laws that govern how, you know, people, uh, you know, collection agencies in particular collect mm -hmm. on you. Mm hmm. So and we, they can be brutal as in their tactics too. Oh yeah, the collection yeah. agencies really, you know, are cutthroat. You know, it's, they're made to do that. It's a numbers game. It's a sales game, just like it is in, you know, a lot of different industries, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's you know the amount of calls they're making, and, and ultimately it's sad, but the amount of people they're harassing and you know, kind of uh, twisting their arm to make a payment. Right. So with that said, um, you know, and all the, the scams out there too. People don't know what to. Yeah, they don't know because yeah, it's not like, like, Citibank calling them. Maybe it's maybe this other collection right. company that so, so they need bought to, the debt. Right. That's that's exactly it. You know, and that's where the debt goes. So, you know, after Citibank, you know, says, well, you know, it looks like uh, John's not going to pay us anymore. So therefore, 
you know, we're, we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, write this debt off, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll probably take a tax break on it, you know, and write it off and sit as a loss. Right. And then they sell it to a third party collections. And also, you know, there's also insurances wrapped up around that. That's why we can issue so much credit in America is, right. you know, on um, the certain amount they can claim, you know, uh, a loss with their uh, with insurance. Yeah. yeah. So there's all sorts of ways, you know, the bank is, uh, you know, or whoever's issuing the credit card, they're always winning. You know, yeah. like more often than not. Yeah, with 18% interest rates and 20... 29% yeah. plus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, you know, back to the debt validation piece is basically that's, um, you know, before you, you settle a debt, we're all, you know, it's it, it's a, my humble opinion that, you know, you should be able to see that, you know, all those mile markers were checked. Mm-hmm. And we're figuring out that, you know, especially in this day and age, um, a lot of these, they, they're not selling the debt properly from the original creditor who issued you your credit card mm-hmm. to the collection agency mm. that's going to collect on you. So when they send it to that third party, you know, they're not buying the full file. They're typically just buying your name, your phone number, your email address, your social hmm. security, just everything to harass you with, you know, totally. and, and threaten you with basically. But they don't own the file. They don't own the accounting records typically. And they don't have the, the exact, you know all the accounting or everything they need to prove. Do you think that's just that being lazy or is it just they don't have the information or they just paid cheaper for the debt? You like know, what causes that? I, I, I could say maybe all the above, but mm-hmm. I would argue, you know, my, my gut feeling is it's just, you know, um, if I can get 20,000 files for this amount of money, pennies on, you the, know, dollar pennies on the dollar versus paying, you know, dollars per file to get the entire file, mm-hmm. you know, and I, where I only get a thousand files versus 20,000, mm-hmm. you know, that's the play the numbers game. It's yeah. a numbers game. Cause most people aren't going to know their rights. They're not going to know what, what they, you know, um, should be asking for, for them to validate that debt, that they own it properly. Right. And this is kind of a new thing. And, um, a lot of these laws went into, um, uh, practice, you know, these, their federal laws after, uh, you know, 2008. It's kind mm-hmm. of when these kind of, you know, and, and after that. So that's when all so these the consumer original, rights came out. The original creditor is just, they're already out of it. They're like, I already wrote you off, Johnny. I'm not going to ever collect on you again. And I'm going to give it to this guy over here. They're going to collect. So the people that you originally owed your debt to, they're they're already like. They're already walking down the street. Yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're like, okay. So what you do don't we really do? owe them yeah. anymore. I yeah. mean, if you owe a lot of money, I mean, it is their right as the creditor to sue you. Right. I mean, and they can literally come after you and say, you know, you can't just, you know, it's going to be hard for you to rack up a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar Amex bill and just, you know, walk away, walk away with it. Yeah. You know, they, 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 you know, if it makes sense, their their lawyers will look at that and you'll get shuffled to the top, and they'll summons you yep. and they'll say you bring you into court and. You know, and try and work out some payment plan with a judge in front of them mm-hmm. and bang the gavel on you or you get some kind of, you know, judgment, basically. So you guys have to have some kind of legal advisor or some... I know you're not a law firm, but I know... Yes. Um, you guys got to have some, like, legal information that you have researched enough to get this to be legit, obviously, and, and to how to do it, right? I mean... Yeah. You know, we, we look at, you know, FDCPA laws and things of that nature, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we, you know, we definitely are not lawyers in any sense, and nor do you have to be, and right. nor do you have to hire a company like us to do this. This is all stuff that you have the time and the sure. resources and the, and the money and the fortitude to go and, you know, make your own demand letters and things like mm-hmm. this to, um, you know, pull all this information out. Um, you know, we, we recommend you do so because, right. um, you know, but what we do is we're a document processing company that has, you know, the documents that knows what to ask for. Right. And, um, you can access those through our company and our technology 
Yep. And then, you know, on behalf, we can, you know, send those out and document them for you. And then you have your own online portal that basically archives everything. So cool. if anything ever comes back on you, you can say, no, it was sent out on this date. Mm-hmm. We, you know, so it's all just boom, 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 boom. So if anybody that ever comes back, you just kind of say, well, you know, it, there was a statue of 30 days and, you know, you didn't respond. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes we'll get what we call like an uncle letter, which is basically them tapping out and saying, you, you know, you're right. We don't own this correctly because, I mean, there's huge fines. Right. So if they, you know, uh, a lot of times they'll send us a letter saying, you know, that's that's kind of our win is when they say, hey, listen, um, you're, you're correct. We can't provide that information at this time. Therefore, we will stop collecting this debt on you. Nice. So as a mortgage broker, we get not all like it's not super common recently, but I'm sure there are mortgage brokers watching that deal with subprime, not really subprime, but lower credit scores. Right. Um, and when when. Um, you know, when, when that, when it comes across, so obviously we can get a better rates if they have higher FICO scores. Absolutely. Um, yours, what we look for often is a kind of a letter of deletion as a mortgage broker. We're like, yeah. okay, give me a letter of deletion and we can get this. We have a thing called rapid rescore. So if you get us a letter of deletion in five business days, we can have that thing off the credit score jumped up. Right. So do you guys get those letters of deletion from the creditors or from these collectors? From the collection agencies, yeah. you know, basically saying that they're no longer going to collect because they don't have the proper documentation uh, to, to be able to really own that debt. And correctly. then do they delete it off of the, the credit um, report or do so, they just, so they said, collect? they said they'll, you know, typically these letters will say, we'll stop reporting this, but mm-hmm. mind you, what we do is we don't do credit repair and we right, have to be right. very, you know, that's, it, that's also um, a compliance piece, right? you know, but the, the fact is, is when they, you know, stop, um, you know, the collection activity, mm-hmm. they do say in their letter that, Hey, we'll stop reporting this as well. Got it. Okay. So it, it, it's kind it's of like a, a side effect. It's a side effect. Right. But you know, when we're talking credit repair, it's important that we let the listeners know that credit repair is simply when you, you know, uh, are writing, you know, dispute documentation mm-hmm. to the bureaus, Experian, mm-hmm. you know, and all those guys. This is more directly to the co- collector. This is directly to the collector. So I always say that, you know, this. so yeah, ours is directly to the collections, dispute documentation collections. And then to really differentiate between the two one is kind of like taking a weed in your garden and just trimming it off at the top you know mm, you know it's going to mm, grow back right this is really pulling it out the root because mm. you know ultimately um you know once you know it's deemed uncollectible right you know there's not really much you can do after that if you're so not... what do, do people then go to a credit repair after they deal with you or do they do yeah, just like you know typically um you know one of the things that we, we do with our program is we allow we have a third party that sits the, on the side of us um mm-hmm. that you know allows you to check your credit and things like that and also you know monitors your credit you nice. know so um you know what they can do is they can actually log into that portal on their own mm-hmm. and then they can uh, submit that documentation themselves and then basically it goes away so that's yeah. if they want to be proactive about it. But typically, even if they don't do anything, um, you know, they will stop reporting in accordance with, you know, um, the letter they sent us. Right, right. And you guys are having success. I've seen the uh, the reviews on your website. I mean, it, awesome. it looks like everyone's happy with what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're excited. What, um, like, do you have any stories about some wins of like, like this is something that's been on someone's credit forever and or not even at their credit, but just a collector that's been harassing someone and then, you know, you guys beat them up. Or... Gosh, we, we had a, <laughs> we had one of those, you know, uncle letters, we had, um, you know, uh, uncle letters, you know, that came back the other day. And I think it was, it was from a major carrier, mm-hmm. um, you know, credit card that I think we probably all have in our wallet. Right. And, um, you know, especially as business people. And, uh, you know, I think it was just, a, it was over $21,000 and it completely was, you know, deleted. Wow. So, I mean, it, you know, those are big, you know, it was a huge win. And that's, you know, and that's not, uh, you know, a typical thing. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. they, they're very in their own rights to go after that kind of, you know, it makes sense for them to hire a lawyer right. and go after that. But it just shows you that 
there's just there's so much debt out there. And right. It's a huge blue ocean that they just can't sue all these accounts. And they can't do all that. So it makes a lot of sense to go through this process first yeah. to see how much of the debt you can erase, and then you know you can figure out what the next step is, whether you're going to settle it, whether you're going to consolidate it. So yeah. I mean that was just a big win for us. And then credit score wise, I mean we've had clients that have you know been in our program with 400, 500. Uh, 600, you know, credit scores, and we've seen them move up up to 700, you know, That's 680 great. and above, which is uh, really where you need good. to be. Yeah. yeah, where you need to be to start being, you know, credit worthy. Right. Um. So you know, we're excited to start seeing those results as well. So the um, COVID you mentioned earlier, which has obviously affected everybody that we know. I mean, it's just massive impact to the country and the world. Um. You said that you know you. I'm wondering if you've seen an uptick in your business because of COVID. Have you seen like People wanting to either get stuff, you know, they've, they've had more collections or they had more credit issues because of this, being out of work. Like, what is that kind of trend? Is there a trend there? Like, have you seen it kind of uptick? Yeah. You know, shockingly, when it first hit, you know, yeah. like everybody, I think everybody just kind of stalled out. So there's a few weeks where we were kind of like, oh, no. You know, and yeah. it's like if, if the if the world is uncertain and, you know, uh, you know, this could be the, the apocalypse coming, right. you know, um, people were kind of like, well, should we pay you guys? And, and mm-hmm. you know, our current clientele and and then, you know, other people that were, you know, we were onboarding that were hearing about us, you know, uh, they, they weren't too sure, you know, about, you know, signing up right away because they're kind of like, you know, uncertainty doesn't make you want to just, you know, right. makes you want to just stand still. Um, but shockingly, just fast forward. I mean, we've it, it's been booming. I mean, yeah. it's been really booming. Um, it's, it's, do you think that's because people are out of work and they don't, they they just don't like, they can't pay all their bills? Is that, I I think so. I think people are maxing their cards. I think they're subsidizing. I mean, obviously the government threw out some, uh, subsidies for everybody and things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to a little bit of relief for COVID, but I mean, we haven't seen that for months now and people are probably, you know, uh, they're living off credit cards, living off credit cards. I mean, that's what 80% of uh, our population does. Mm -hmm. And, um, ultimately, I mean, you know, not to take one step further. I mean, credit cards are kind of made to get you stuck with these high APRs and things like that. Right. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of times it's not like we're seeing a bunch of people that come into our program. that are looking for a loophole Mm -hmm. because that's not what this is. These are just your, you're helping people. These are your consumer rights. Right. Everybody should be, you know, should know about this and be able to exercise them, you know, but of course no one's advertising it. Right. And, um, but more often than not, we're seeing people that have, you know, went and got a, a Best Buy, you know, uh, a TV, a Sony at Best Buy, you know, a new, a new TV or whatnot. And they've been paying out for five years and they've already paid that TV three times over. Right. Like, give me a break. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, are you just going to keep paying the minimums or are you going to let that go? Right. And, you know, Best Buy was taken care of and so was Sony. So, right. um, it's just, we need people to use common sense and, um, you know, but also it's, it's kind of finance. crazy how, how much the law allows these right. companies to charge people. Right. Like they make, there's all kinds of consumer rules on mortgages. Like we can't charge over this thing's called HPML, which is high price mortgage loan. There's, yeah. there's other things like, uh, when you go even above that, where it's like, you know, there's usury laws, you can't do it in, in the mortgage business. But, um, not that, you know, we'd want to, I know that they did that back in the day. There's more first mortgages at 18% and, right. you know, back in the eighties and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, these, these, a lot of these credit companies, it's crazy that the laws haven't hit them, but it's probably because they just, our, our government and, and, and our society wants this, this flow of credit. 
to yeah. everyone, right? So absolutely. They, and they gotta, I guess they gotta hedge against the people that aren't gonna pay and the ones that come. You know, I'm sure. And but they also have you know insurances and, and other policies that help kind of govern that as well to right. mitigate you know the loss when you do give credit to, you know access to credit to so many people in America. Right. So I mean, you know, it's 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 very interesting how that all works. But to have no cap on you know the the amount of interest you know you can charge someone yeah, long insane. term and then lock them in on these monthly minimum payments where they're not paying you the principal and they pay it for you know we've seen people pay five eight ten years you know right. on, on a credit card and, and, minimums, and just yeah. minimums and we're just like it, you've paid for whatever you bought 10 times over right so i mean that there should be some kind of and stop need, loss there and there's, there needs to be better education too about debt one hundred in our in our country. I mean, my son was just in in a class. I overheard them talking about, um, you know, they asked the kids. They're like, "Hey, what do you guys want to learn?" You know, and he's a freshman, and they're like, uh, "You know, we'd love to learn about taxes and about finance, and you know." And the teacher's like, "Okay, you know, and what else?" Like, you know, it's <laughs> like none of this, nothing, none of this is being taught. They they don't teach us about money in school, and yeah. that's just so odd, it's, it's right? Odd, yeah. It's odd that we don't we're not you know taught to balance checkbooks and, and, you know, and, and run financial, you know, look at cash flow. Right. I mean, it's, you know, unless you're really a finance major in college, I think it's when that kicks off. Right. So I think it's, it's a big, it, people are losing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that cause that's part of our program. I think we'd be giving people a, uh, you know, not a disservice, but I think that, um, it, it needs to be added to a program like this. And so people have dedicated account managers that do monthly budgets and run and run those numbers. Right. Um, so they can start to figure that out themselves. Cause I mean, a lot of these people were not taught that. And I'm, you know, we have clients are in their twenties all the way into their eighties. So, I mean, wow. and we're, you know, even the, the older crowd has not been taught proper finance and right. budgeting. Right. Makes sense. So, um, where do we find your website? What's the, uh, it's a uh, fix it and okay. the DMS for document management services. So and we'll put that up DMS. too on our, on our YouTube channel. Um, and then, so also when you sold your company, you know, you cashed out some money and you've bought some rental properties. Talk to us about your, your Airbnb kind of experience, you know, like being yeah, an investor yeah. and, 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 you know, um, making a return on that. How's that been, especially during COVID? Has it, has that, how's that been? That's been fun. I mean, this has kind of been a, a passion project of mine, you know, is, is the Airbnbs. We didn't, I didn't get into it. I kind of just fell into it. So, cool. you know, I bought, um, a, a second home after the sale. I mean, I, I don't know what that is, but, uh, it seems that uh, people I know have had exits and stuff like that. It's everyone wants to go buy a home. It's like you go buy the biggest thing you yeah. can, you know, okay, the biggest yeah, pad, the that's biggest it. That's, crib. That's right. You gotta, you know, you have to flex, a, li- everyone, you have to flex yeah. a little yeah. bit on everybody. And, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't end up flexing as hard as some of the other people in my group, but, um, you know, we, we, you know, I ended up, uh, with my wife uh, picking a place in Palm Springs, you know, we we said okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep area. our place in Mission Valley, which is not the bougiest part of San Diego. Um, but you know, we we decided, hey, we'll hold off on that for just a little bit longer, and mm-hmm. then we'll we'll get a second home that we can retreat to. Nice. So we got you know a place in Palm Springs proper, just right there between the airport and downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was flipped, and then we went in there and you know add a little bit more money to it, redid the pool. Uh, it's the it's in Palm Springs. It's the why we bought it is it's the uh, for the size house, it's, like, it's only 2,000 square feet, mm-hmm. kind of ranch style home, mm-hmm. but has the biggest backyard. Yeah. So for, for per square foot, you nice. know, in Palm Springs. So, awesome. you know, it was just a, a slam dunk for us because we want to entertain. You know, we yeah. thought, you know, hey, 
we made it in, um, in, in a big way on that exit and we want to share this with our friends and family. So that's kind of what the place is for. And then sure enough, people want to start renting it. So we start doing a little Airbnb action. I realize this thing's cash flowing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, people are paying me to, to live <laughs> in my, my second home right. and I can't be there all the time and I don't mind sharing the place. So, uh, we opened it up and, you know, into a real business and then, um, you know, fast forward a few years, now I'm on my third property that we're remodeling. You know, this is, uh, you know, cool. in Rancho Mirage. And then I also got a property in Coachella right across from the fairgrounds with my best friend, Brett Fisher, and uh, also uh, two other uh, large DJ acts, Chris Lake and um, Paul Fisher. That's cool. So it's... Uh, so you kind of go in on investment properties with some friends and stuff like that, just to diversify it. You know, I, I did it twice myself, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that I had the, the numbers right, right, you know, and we're seeing, you know, like we're seeing 20, you know, as low as, uh, you know, a 20 cap return and, and, mm. and the Coachella house is uh, performing in during COVID <laughs> at, at a 33 cap return. Wow. That's, so that's um, it's kind of crazy, you know? Rent, yeah, rents have gone up. I mean, people... They can't leave the country, really. Yeah, you know. So we're kind of stuck in here, and and uh, everything from you know buying kayaks, buying bicycles, e-bikes, just everything. You bike racks, you can't yeah. find them because people are driving and staying in America, right? They're going to right. Palm Desert to get the get in the sunshine from COVID, and oh you know, yeah. So so that's, that makes and, sense. But and, you're, and, and the travel, I mean, right. the travel time. I mean, it's like most of our clientele: Orange County, uh, LA, San Diego, probably. LA. Yep, and that's that's all of them coming down. And and I think it's safe to say the rent per night has gone way up. It is has, right? it has. I mean, we've we've you know because supply and demand. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, you know my my smallest home, the one we're talking about in Palm Springs, you know, mm-hmm. two thousand square feet, four bedroom, three bath, uh, maybe four fifty to five hundred. You know, this time last year, mm-hmm. uh, it's averaging seven eighty a night right now. Jeez. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. So, um, so what do you think? Have you so you've been looking at properties to buy more investment properties? Is that kind of something you've been looking at? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of slowed down on it a little bit now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because I still have, you know, we're fixing up that other one. But I mean, it's kind of once one's done, I'm, yep. I'm not trying to like kind of leverage, you know, or get myself over leveraged, if you will. But um, I'm, I just kind of get one built, stabilized on the market, and then I'll yep. go out and purchase another one. Um, I don't think I'm terribly afraid of kind of where the housing market is. I think it's a little on the high side personally mm-hmm. from from an investment side, but I don't think it would, you know, but with a 33% return. You, I mean, you're right. You got, we, we, yeah, you got ways you, you to factored go there. that. Plus, you factored the kind of loans and rates you'll get me. You <laughs> yeah. know, it, you know, uh, I, I think that you know you you just keep on going, keep on trucking, yeah. keep on collecting, and uh, keep on plugging them into that equation. But I mean, right. Airbnb is just a fantastic way. Uh, to, and, and also, I got on the back end of that. I mean, let's talk about having fun. I mean, yeah. that, that was the main reason we bought these places: have a great time, to have friends out, to network, to bring people together. Right. I mean, we've had you know celebrity guests at our place. We've had you know uh, you know just our, our, our immediate family that has a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, re- giving it to business partners over the weekend. You know, um, just to say thank you. So I mean, they're just a great you know, treasure to have as well. You right. Know, and it's about bringing people together. So oh, it's, it's, it's amazing when you can tell a buddy, Hey, go stay in my place. And then you just can solidify that relationship even more. And oh, like, yeah. and just, yeah, I think that's, that's great. That's been, that's cool. I know we're staying out there. Um, in Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're, we're so pumped. It. I'm just, I'm jealous. I mean, I'm looking for a place if you, yeah, if you want to invite <laughs> me over, uh, because yeah, I was like, dang, I should have got one of my places for Thanksgiving, but right, um, right. that was a great we call. Beat you, I mean, to you it. guys are going to love it. Yeah. Um, so you think the housing market's heating up, right? It's, it seems like it's heating up, but, um, yeah. you know, it, you said something earlier where you thought, you know, you kind of wanted to bet against the economy a little bit. And, um, you think, do you think, 
like kind of what's your outlook on the next few months, you know, for, uh, you know, for the, um, election and then, you know, 2021, like what are your, kind of what's your outlook? I mean, things are, things are heating up, you know, without, yeah. I I mean, the politics at play here are are very, very interesting, you know, um, six days left. Yeah. Six days left. I mean, uh, it's tough. It's tough to call. I mean, it's going to be a tight race and, you know, I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, you know, but I think that, you know, there's going to be a little, either way, there's going to have to be a little bit of air let out of this balloon, you know, yep. at some point. And we're going to have to, you know, start paying back some of these debts and, you know, and start reorganizing and start restructuring like we do every every <laughs> right. decade or so. You there's know, always I, a, what co- goes up must come down, right? That, that is. Happens. That is. I mean, it's just kind of how, how our economy works and how it has worked. And we can just look at those historical charts. So I think that we'll, we'll see a little bit of that. I think that's why we, you know, we're hedging on the side of that, that debt business is, is part of the portfolio. And mm-hmm. then... Then there's other, you know, real estate plays and other things that balance it in other ways. So right. that's that's kind of the way I see it. So as an entrepreneur, you probably I know you know other entrepreneurs like like me and others. Um, right. Have you uh, been following in all of some of these laws that are coming into California for entrepreneurs like the? Oh. Like, I've seen some of the tax plans and things like that, and you know, it's it's just it's absolutely devastating, right. you know, and it's it's tough talking, saying that you know, um, you know, as you know, a person that you know is probably you know part of the one percent here, but um, you know, so it's it's, <laughs> but some of these tax laws are just crazy. I mean, the amount of uh, capital I, I put out, the amount of risk I take as an entrepreneur, and the amount of you know. Uh, you know, work I, I do to give people jobs, you mm-hmm. know, on the daily is, is, you know, uh, is, is, re- is rewarded through that. And to have, you know, so much of that reward staked and taken away and, and, mm-hmm. and, and taxed is, is very alarming to me. Right. Um, you know, especially in California, I mean, I'm born and raised San Diego you know, I'm a native, so it's, it's, you know, it's tough for me to want to yeah. leave, but I mean, I've been traveling lately. I mean, I've been to Montana. I've been looking right. at a lot of different places where, uh, you know, I might need to set up shop, move your base, uh, or and, and move yeah. my base uh, to to counteract, um, you know, these these proposed taxes because right. it's just uh, it really is horrendous. It doesn't make it really worth me wanting to play and, and spend my own money, invest, and risk mm-hmm. the amount of risk I'm taking yeah. uh, when when it seems as though that the government and the and the state of California are the only people winning. Yeah, they've got to fix something. I mean, it's it's if it keeps going the way it is, it's not. Not going to end up good for California with people like Musk moving and Rogan and right. these guys that are Mon- all... Money's going to dry up. People yeah. are going to get tight. You know, people aren't going to take risks on starting great new companies and new ventures and trying to push yep. our humanity forward, you right. know, and uh, everybody's going to get scared. So, I mean, we have to, you know, I think we, we need to keep those tax brackets lower and, you right. know, and, and, and yeah, not... not I mean, you think after so many years of testing this out that they would realize, like... Probably should let you know. Let's let them have a lower tax base so that we can stimulate things. Like it just, yeah, mind boggling to me why they 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 change it. I mean, it's got to be greed or whatever. But um, you also you've run a few biz, few different businesses. What one of the things that we do here on this podcast is we talk about referrals and like leads and how you get right. leads and and we're trying to help mortgage brokers find other referral referral sources how to find entrepreneurs, how to find, you know, so you've got uh, got to be using some of your marketing expertise in your new company to try to get leads and referrals. Like, what do you think is some of the best ways to get referrals and leads? You know, it's, it's, I, I still just, think to just this own Airbnbs and yeah, invite, just, people. Yeah, invite people over to your Airbnb, <laughs> right. you know, schmooze them a little bit. Right. No, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's still some good ways to do that um, in terms of, you know, inter- some internet marketing plays and running some different ads and, and creating a different funnel for yourself. I think, you know, creating more like an educational funnel nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. will work. 
Uh, I think too, we're too close to like throw up a landing page, you know, and just try and lock in people's information and then cold call them too quick. Right. Um, you know, versus uh, send them through something that's more meaningful, you know, send them like the adding value, add value. I mean, and, and, and people hate that cause it's a slow play, <laughs> especially sales guys. I mean, we, we hate that, but I mean, I have one foot on the sales side and one foot in the marketing. So I understand both sides, but I mean, marketing is really just a slow drip, yep. you know, and it takes time and it takes energy. And it's, it's how long it's your staying power. How long can you stay in front of them? Right. How quickly can you get your email? How, how many times can you send them your, you know, good information, sure. a video on the market? You know, those are the people that seem to, you know, make marketing work for them and make some of the leads. But still, I think the game's still referral. I mean, we still, we do referrals. We do referrals with, uh, you know, mortgage companies like yourself and everything else. I mm-hmm. mean, the referrals, nothing really beats great referrals. I mean, when yeah. you, when you, it's still about you relationships. You gotta call my buddy Nick, you know, if they do hey. that, it's, it's so much better. Yeah. I mean, even at Power Digital, when we built that company from the ground up, it was like, you know, we had channel partners and referral groups. I mean, right. we, we, we sat on the side of that company and said, okay, well, how do, how do we get people into marketing services? You know, how are we going to, you know, bring people in to help you know, monetize our websites. And we're like, well, why don't we start with the web developers? Right. So we go find the big web, web dev shops and say, Hey, we're power digital and we want to do this. And we want to partner with you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we want to, you know, make this a win-win situation. So, you know, when we started kind of doing channel partnerships like that, that's what really grew our business. It wasn't really until year four or maybe three and a half that we really started investing into our own marketing strategies mm-hmm. and started really building our own funnels and kind of practicing what we preach. Um, because I mean, it, it didn't really make sense until, you know, we were well capitalized, had all of our, uh, uh, departments, you know, were rock solid and producing really good results. Mm -hmm. And then we really started working on our internal marketing. So, you know, I, I still think to this day, I mean, I tell all every startup I work with, I'm like, it's, you know, you got to find people that that will refer business. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to, man, you have to build your network of referrals and then it can't just be one source because that could get cut off. You got to have your you know, multiple sources of referrals and, and that's, uh, that's yeah. it. That's the way you build it. Right. Yeah. Um, and not to like, you know, sidestep that with a really, you know, I mean, everybody gets referrals, but I mean, you know, if you guys are wanting to get in the bit or wondering about marketing and things like that, and I'm not a marketer like you, Nick, but how can I do this? I mean, there's, there's things like click funnels and things like that, that mm-hmm. you can actually sit there and learn, you know, sure. they have all sorts, you know, that can teach you how to build a funnel, measure a funnel, see what kind of content's working, see what's not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you really want to make that kind of your, you know, hedge on your marketing and your, your, your strategy. I think that's really good. Um, you know, as far as doing SEO, I mean, that was a bit deep vertical that I've been known for, 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 for decades, you know, and is, um, I think that's, it, it's, I hate to say SEO is dead cause that's so cliche, but I mean, it's very hard to compete. I mean, you need to be, you're going to see the rocket merge, uh, rocket mortgage. Yeah. The guys there just have, you know, unlimited amount of uh, venture capital. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys that, you know, it's just, it's too big of a thing to be like, Oh, let's just work on my SEO. I, I think it's always good to have proper SEO on your, you know, you'll rank for different things and that might have a few hits here and there. Sure. But I mean, to have a, just an SEO strategy, and not be, unless it's a super narrow niche. Yeah. Unless you know? you're top five, you know, mortgage companies in the nation. I mean, yeah. don't even think about it, you know? Yeah. Like Whitefish, Montana luxury loan, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be exactly. super narrow, right? Very narrow. Very, yeah. very narrow. Um, so as, as a successful entrepreneur or successful person in general, do you have any hacks like life hacks, anything that you do that you want to share? Like just, you know, we, we all have little things we do, but like what, what's something that really you think that's attributed towards some of your success? Wow. I mean, I wasn't, that was kind of a curveball. I I should should have a few of these in my, in my uh, quiver, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just about, you know, I think it's just about being a a good person about, you know, it's about your connections. I think you're, you know, 
uh, your network is, is your net worth. Mm-hmm. I think it's about, you know, it, it is a game of, of who you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and how you get around good people is, you know, you, you provide value. You know, you mm-hmm. provide, uh, you know, we can be a, a purveyor of good times and, you know, Palm Springs and or, <laughs> or whatever you want to do. But, I mean, it's just it's just about being, uh, you know, a good person and also looking to, you know, in business, looking to help other people out. You know, not always looking, right. you know, how can I eat off this guy's plate? Right. How can I add more to his so he'll want to give me more? Right. Um, and I think that just so that's lost in translation a lot of times. So a lot of people don't, you know, weigh things out in business as a win-win scenario. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like some people play it like a zero-sum game. Right. And uh, crush I mean, the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Finish them. So uh, you know, I think that that's that's never been my play. You know, mm-hmm. it's always I like when I want to see people win, just like I'm winning. And um, you know, you make things fair, you negotiate fair, and uh, and, and it just kind of comes back to you. You know, read books like you said, Chris Voss book. Right? That's it. Yeah. Chris Voss. Yeah. He, he'll teach you how to really twist someone's arm. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. th- there's that too. You know, you want to be a strong negotiator. Um, so I think that's just one thing. And, you know, yeah, I think I would leave you with that one. Cool. Yeah. And then last question, uh, ask all my guests is, uh, you know, we all fail, right? We all have our failures and some are harsher and bigger lessons than others. Um, you know, some are just little small fails, uh, but to be a, to be a successful entrepreneur, you're going to fail, right? Just like Edison or anybody. What do you think your favorite failure was? If I can ask my favorite failure, something you just learned a a cool lesson, a cool lesson on shoot. I've had so many. That's the funny (laughs) thing. It's, it's, it's it's another like loaded question. I wish I I, I kind of prepared a little more for that, but I mean, it's, it, it, God, I've had, you know, I'm trying to think of something I've done recently, you know, cause I'm sure there's some of those too. Um, you know, I think, oh man, I'm like, I want to give you, give you dead air on this one. No, you know? no. I mean, um, it, it's, it's my favorite failure. You know, maybe one that you just think, God, I, I, it was, that sucked at the time, but you look back and you're like, wow, I learned some lessons on that. You know, one of the lessons I've learned, you know, I, I, I like disruptive industries, you know, I like, you know, I have investments in CBD, I have in, investments in, um, you know, another company that gets people off of, uh opioids, you mm-hmm. know, through a magnetic therapy. I mean, I like things that are just really shaking things up. And one of the things I really liked uh, early on was Bitcoin. You know, mm-hmm. I, I felt that Bitcoin has some staying power. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a ledger is, is, is spectacular. Um, and has a lot of good qualities, you know, and it's, it needs to evolve. But I think, you know, it, it could be, you know, bigger than the internet in a big way. It's so pretty big deal. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's pretty bold to say, but, um, and I still do. And, it, but I mean, I, I saw, you know, I got in pretty early. I watched that thing rise like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I invested like 30 grand and I ended up with like half a million dollars at, at, the, at the peak. And I, and I chose not to sell. I said, no, this thing's <laughs> going to the moon. I like, you right. know, how, how much further is the moon when you go from 30 to 500 K? That's a big deal. And I, and I, and I literally just rode that all the way back down. Uh, it, it just taught me that I didn't know enough about how finance works, about how shorting something when you could start <laughs> shorting Bitcoin worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't talking enough to the right people. I was just, you know, just so caught up and, you know, mesmerized by this. Um, so I think that like that taught me a huge lesson, you know, in terms of, um, you know, looking at like trends and new things and, and, mm-hmm. and when it's too hot to be true, you know, kind of like what the mortgage was doing in, in 2008. Yeah. And people are like, this is never going to end. And it's people, never ending. Yeah. And then people are like, it can't sustain, you know, and then those people are being yelled at, like yeah. you're an idiot and you're just, you know, being uh, negative. And, you know, I'm sure all those conversations, <laughs> right, right. same with Bitcoin. So it's I different mean, this time. It's different. This <laughs> is, you know, everybody's into it. So, um, yeah, you know, and that was mm-hmm. good. And then, and also, uh, you know, I held fast. I did not, um, sell any of my, my positions. 
and mm-hmm. to the, you know, so I dro- I really dropped down to about thirty thousand dollars, or Back maybe down. A, yeah, maybe like to twenty eight or something. So right. I lost a few grand, and I and I was like, I'll ride this down to zero, like you know, <laughs> just for principle at this point. Right. And then sure enough, I mean, it shot back up, and it's it's going you know it's in yeah. it's six figure plus now you know and it's, it's going back the other way so you know having a little bit of faith in that and investing Patience, in, in, investing is long term you mm-hmm. know you can't be looking at this stuff like i'm going to make an investment and i'm going to pull it out and buy a car tomorrow i mean that's not investing no investing is like three to five years right. investing is really like 10 was it was your investment look like in 10 years i mean right. if you start thinking like that i mean that's when you know uh you're really gonna make some serious money so um and yeah i think that's that's another thing it's, awesome man yeah so find you online. At, you said one, one more time. Uh, it's fixitdms.com is awesome. our website. So and yeah, feel you can free. get and mortgage brokers can send you yeah. send you send you bids. Please or... do, yeah. F- you know, and we, we're glad to help. Um, you know, we have, our one eight hundred number is on the uh, our website, so mm-hmm. you guys can go ahead and check that out and just say you know you came from the uh, you know the uh, fund loans podcast. Awesome. And um, we're glad to help out and uh, you know hopefully get you guys onboarded, discount, do whatever we can to uh, help dig out some of that debt. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming on, Nick. Awesome. Appreciate you. And you guys, please like, share, subscribe, and let us know what you want to hear, what kind of guests you want to hear. Please make comments, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund loans together.